0: Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Monday, January the 8th, 2024. And sadly, in the new calendar, meaning the calendar of the past 50 years, today is the last day of the Christmas season. It is the feast of the baptism of our Lord. That's why I like to file the old calendar and leave my decorations up, because in the old calendar, the Christmas season ends 40 days later after Christmas at the presentation of our Lord in the temple, February 2nd, still a few weeks before Lent begins. But today's Gospel reading is from the Gospel according to St. Mark. This is what John the Baptist proclaimed. One mightier than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It happened in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and was baptized in the Jordan by John. On coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came from the heavens, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. I'm looking at my printer right now because my elbow accidentally hit it while I was reading and it looked like it was going to start making noise, but luckily it stopped. (laughs) Anyway, happy, well-continued Merry Christmas, everyone, at least for one more day if we're in the new calendar. This is a reading that we heard a couple days ago from the Gospel according to St. Mark. John the Baptist is announcing the coming of Jesus. In this one, he doesn't say, Behold the Lamb of God, but he says, One might hear. And he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus goes into the waters and is baptized by John. The Holy Spirit comes upon him and the voice of the Father speaks. This is one of the great passages where the Trinity is being revealed. It will be revealed a great deal in the words of Jesus, but also moments like this, moments like the Annunciation. The power of the Most High, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born of you will be called Holy, the Son of God. So, we have a lot going on here. Does Jesus need to be baptized? Well, as God, no, that would be ridiculous to say, (laughs) because he's already one with the Father and the Spirit. He's the second person of the Trinity, Even when he comes to earth, he never leaves the Father. So therefore, he's always in heaven. He doesn't leave heaven to come to earth. He's always united with his Father. He's always in a state of perfection and grace. However, he comes to earth. Jesus can do a lot of things at the same time, by the way, being God, omnipotent, omniscient, all the omnis, omnipresent. But he comes to earth and he takes on our humanity. So now we have this new reality, and it's a new reality in God. God actually changed. We say God is unchanging, yet there is a change that happens in God when the second person of the Trinity is born of the Virgin Mary, is conceived first, then born, and now God and man are united in Jesus, and that's only the beginning. So many more exciting things are going to happen for the sake of our salvation, a transformation of all reality. So this is one of those key moments where you see something happening that in the beginning, this wasn't exactly part of the plan. I mean, yeah, Jesus is the one through whom we are made. He is the one through whom we are saved, but his, the the manner in which he comes to earth to save us, the manner in which he does it all is now different because of our sins. And, there's just all kinds of ironies happening here. There's all kinds of paradoxes. So does Jesus, I mean, even as man, he doesn't have sin. So he doesn't need baptism for the forgiveness of his sin. So why is Jesus baptized? And when we speak of need necessity, it's really more of a necessity for our sake. God doesn't need to do anything. God is God. God is fine as he is. But, We're going to speak of need and we're going to speak of choice. God chooses to do what he does for our salvation. And this is the best possible way. If you can come up with a better idea than God for how to save the human race, good luck. You're not going to come up with a better idea. God is perfect intelligence. He is very, I always say when I pray, Lord, you're so smart. (laughs) You have it all figured out. He's got stuff thought of and figured out and planned out that we can't. So We simply cannot figure these things out because we're never going to be as smart as God. We will share in his wisdom. I mean, we can share in his wisdom to some degree while we're here because of days like today, because of his giving us the spirit through him first receiving the spirit. But yes, only in heaven will we have an experience where we're truly, fully sharing in his wisdom, but still even in heaven, he's going to be smarter than us. Um, And any intelligence we have is only because of him anyway. Let's talk about Jesus' baptism. He doesn't go into the water. I just want to list a couple things right now. He doesn't go into the water because he needs to be blessed by the water. You and I need to be born again of water and the Spirit, as Jesus says in John chapter 3. Jesus goes into the water to bless the water, just like he's born of a family to bless families. He's born of woman to bless women. The list goes on and on and on. He becomes man to bless humanity. Another reason Jesus is baptized is that he goes first. And this is something very, very often we don't understand our confirmation. We don't get it. This is why the kids can't wait for it to be done, and then they, we never see them again. They don't come back to church. They don't get it. They don't get what it is that they're receiving. And confirmation is the completion of baptism. So people don't understand baptismal grace. They don't understand the grace of their confirmation. They don't understand the grace of Holy Communion, the grace of confession, which is why they don't receive them. We've done a horrible job of teaching these things and promoting these things. So this is the beginning right here of baptism and confirmation. A lot was predicted that this would come, and then John the Baptist does it as a foreshadowing. But Jesus goes into the water, and this is his, it's, it's, he's receiving the fullness of baptism. John baptizes him. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. We're not saying that the baptism of John is the baptism that you get from a priest or a deacon later, you know, down the centuries in the church, because that's the baptism of Jesus. Jesus' baptism receives its full efficacy after he dies and rises, after the Paschal Mystery. But still, Jesus goes through this baptism with John. There is grace involved. There is choice involved. There is, uh, it's Jesus doing what he has to do. There is, the, the Holy Spirit's going to anoint Jesus at certain times in his life, such as when he's in the womb, in Mary's womb, the Holy Spirit comes upon her. That's the initial anointing for the incarnation. And now he's being anointed for his mission which is actually my third point, <laughs> but so I should have said that second because yes, Jesus is being anointed in his humanity. He has become like us in all things. He has emptied himself of his divinity. So he needs to be baptized for his mission. He needs to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit for his mission, which is to save us. He is receiving a strengthening in his humanity. And then that leads to the other point, And that is he goes through all this Because he's paving the way for us in his death and resurrection and also in his giving us the sacraments such as the Eucharist, which is the greatest of all sacraments. We are enabled to become other Christs. We become one with him. We are joined to him. And therefore, when we go through baptism and confirmation, we are participating in what Jesus did for us. See, we think of the miracles, as the main thing. And they are really, really important. We're not talking about them today. But there's all these things that Jesus does. One thing I always love to say is Jesus came to earth to pray. Simple, 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 simple. In other words, what is prayer? Prayer is God and man connected. Prayer is we open up our hearts and we receive God's grace. Prayer is being with God. All those times Jesus is out in the desert praying, which is like all the time, that's one of the most important things he's going to do while he's here on earth, because he's getting it ready for us. He's, he's creating that connection between God and humanity. Does Jesus as God need to pray? Well, it's what he does constantly, because he's God. God. The Father, Son, and Spirit are constantly in communication and love with each other. But in his humanity, he's doing it for us. He's become weak so that we might become strong. So he connects us to the Father. So he goes first. He receives baptism. He receives his confirmation, so to speak, to open up humanity to the Holy Spirit. Because of this moment, Pentecost can happen later. This is the beginning of what will be fulfilled then, that we receive the Holy Spirit as other Christs. We can become baptized. We can become confirmed. We can receive him in Holy Communion. We become Jesus. We become members of the body of Christ, all joined to Christ the head. This is great stuff. And then this enables us to do, as Jesus said, even greater things than he did. Once again, not that the miracles are the essence of our faith. He says, don't rejoice because the demons are subject to you. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's the primary thing. But we can also do ministry. There's so much here. There's so much that's exciting here. The fourth thing is It's an affirmation that he receives from the father. This is my beloved son. It's so very important. And I did talk about this recently. We all need that affirmation on a human level. The affirmation we get is never perfect. So God gives it perfectly to his son so that we can also receive the father's affirmation, the father's love, the father's grace. Once again, so many things happening here all at once. It's incredible. So what happens here is that we become, and this is not meant to be sexist, this is just the way we say it, sons in the sun. It also means daughters, yes. <laughs> but what, the, what does that mean? We become other Christs. And other Christ doesn't just mean, oh, look at me, I have superpowers. I can go out and bless people and pray over people, and sometimes there's healing, and sometimes I, I get good advice coming out of my mouth because of the Holy Spirit. There's so many good things there. But <clears throat> it's more than that. We become members of the, the, the body of Christ, which is who is the second person of the Trinity. And therefore, we become sons and daughters of the father. We be, The father becomes our father in more than just a creator way. But we say by adoption. But what that means is it's our choice or the choice of our parents when we were baptized. But it means so much more. It means. Everything that Jesus is going to get from his father, all that love, all that grace and salvation and peace and love and joy and happiness, all these things that Jesus receives because he's the son, we now are, uh, you know, and I I use these words, the words are, are, they're always going to fall short. I was going to say, we become entitled to all that love and grace and joy and everything. Entitlement, uh, we, we throw that word around today. It's not a perfect word for this. Why are we entitled? Because God makes us entitled. It's not because you and I are some great thing that God, oh, he he better be happy I'm just here, I hear people say. Oh, I, God should be happy I'm in church. No. <laughs> God is happy because he made you. He loves you. So, yes, he loves to see you. He, he loves you. He wants to be with you. But, no, God doesn't owe us anything. <laughs> we It's the opposite. We owe God. And wh- how much do we owe him? Infinity. <laughs> we could never pay him back for all that he's done for us. So, in this baptism, Jesus goes first so that we can then receive it. We become sons in the Son. Think about that. Think about all the the feelings of rejection you felt in your life, all the times you felt lonely and incomplete. Maybe you felt a person of the opposite sex would provide that connection for you. Maybe you felt I don't know. A job would make that connection for you. Or, you know, maybe you didn't have a good dad, so you found a good uncle or coach or teacher or something, and he becomes a father figure. There's all these things God does provide through intermediaries. But God Himself is your Father. In heaven, we will fully experience it. On earth, we can start to experience it through our prayer life. Through our living, our faith, receiving the sacraments, we can start to receive that grace that comes directly from the Father. The intermediaries are great too. The mediation, you know, God wills the mediation. So angels and saints, people on earth here, parents, church members, boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives, our children, they're, they're all intermediaries of, of God's grace and God's love. It's true. But God also wants a direct relationship with us so we become sons in the Son, And there is this, uh, in Jesus, I believe the proper term is communicatio idiomatum, <laughs> which means a divine exchange. It means a communication of persons. It means, or a, yes, that's what it means. In Jesus, there's this communication of the divine to the human and the human to the divine, and that's once again done for us. In other words, we can become one with God. I'm always talking about in the Mass, when Jesus is on that pattern after his consecration, and now the prayer of offering is happening. Jesus is being offered to the Father by the church, through the priest. We can place ourselves on that pattern, mystically, spiritually, spiritually. We can place our hearts. We can say to the Lord, put me on that patent. I want to be with Jesus. It's the reason for the Vatican II, well, this was before Vatican II even, but the theology that was highlighted by Vatican II that talks about how we have a part to play in the mass. It's not just the priest up there and we're spectators. No, this is what full conscious active participation means. We misinterpret it. We think it means we're all supposed to be lectors or ushers or something. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes there's a need for different roles in the mass. But full anxious, conscious participation, active conscious participation in the Mass means more than anything else, when Jesus is being offered to the Father, we offer him too, for the sake of our sins, for the sake of our lives, for the sake of our loved ones. And we can be one with Jesus in his being offered to the Father. And in doing so, They say, the great saints will say, the Father looks at you and me and doesn't see us with all our sins, but he sees his Son with whom he is perfectly pleased. So this is one of the purposes of the Mass, that we are offered to the Father with Jesus, and it's specifically Jesus' passion and death, which is the perfect sacrifice pleasing to the Father to take away the sins of the world. So we can tag along with that. We can offer ourselves because we are one with Jesus in the body of Christ. So, when we talk about this communication of the human and the divine, that's where the human goes up to the divine more than anything else. It's in the Mass. We can be offered to the Father. We become connected to the Trinity through that Mass and through our reception of communion. We can be offered. Think about how powerful that prayer is. It's the most powerful of all prayers, the Mass. We can offer our sins, our weaknesses, so that God can forgive them and, and wipe everything away and heal us. We can offer our thanksgiving. We can offer our children and those things that mean most to us because we want all of it to be in the Father's hands so that it will be safest, so that it will produce the most fruit. But also in this communication, idiomatum, there is also a communication of the divine to the human, which is what I've been talking about. The divine communicates himself to us so we can receive that love, that peace, that joy, that grace. Any of you that have spent time in adoration, I always say my experience of adoration is like, uh, sometimes I just need them and I'm soaking it in right in the first minute. But very often when I do a holy hour, the first few minutes, maybe the first 15 minutes, I'm very distracted. I'm thinking about everything going on in my life and my mind is racing. But after I've spent a little time and I've mellowed out and I've given it all to the Lord, let's get to the like the 45-minute mark. I just don't want it to end because the Father is loving me. And we call that contemplation. We begin with meditation. We get into then contemplation. That would be a good topic for another uh, talk on prayer. But contemplation is when God acts upon us because we have opened ourselves to it. And this is another thing that's happening because of Jesus's baptism here today. He receives grace and peace and love from the Father. So that we can. And the Father wants to lavish His graces upon us. So that whatever happens in this world, it's nothing compared to the grace and love and joy of heaven. People have no idea what they're missing out there today. People, uh, you know, for the sake of being nice, for the sake of not challenging each other, they're happy to live this milquetoast sort of existence. Let's just be nice to each other. In the meantime, we're wrestling with so many things deep down that we just repress. Whereas God is saying, no, open it all up. Open up to me because I want to heal all the bad and I want to fill you with all the good. I want to show you what heaven's like and I want you to long for me and for my kingdom at all times so that when the time is right, I can just give it to you in its fullness. He wants us to long for him, to strive for him because, well, we have to be a part of it. We have to choose it. But we give him an inch and he gives us infinity. He gives us eternity. So, as we celebrate this feast of the baptism today, let's try to be grateful. Let's give God our gratitude as much as we can, realizing how much he loves us, the great sacrifice Jesus made for us. All these things Jesus is doing, I mean, it appears glorious and it is, but still all of this is very humbling for him. It's, it's uh, I won't say he's humiliated because he loves us. He's not, it's not like a negative thing in, in terms of him reluctantly doing this, but it's God humbling himself he's humbled. He becomes a creature. He goes through all of this for us so that he can create the pathway to heaven so that we can be saved. So let's celebrate today with all our hearts. Let's open up our hearts to God's love. Let's renew always the promises of our baptism. Let's renew our appreciation of our confirmation. God has given us a great gift and these gifts are to be used. And We have no idea what we possess. The fullness of the Holy Spirit has been given to us. So let's be grateful for what we've been given. As I said, let's ask the Lord, show me, dear Lord, how do you want me to live in these graces this very day and for the rest of my life? Have a great day. God bless you.